For about the past seven or eight years or so, uh, I have been one of the people that have been helping run the March for Life that the diocese does. Uh, so every year we do a, a pilgrimage from South Louisiana, right, all the way up to Washington, D.C. It's every January. Uh, it's always around the same time as the anniversary of Roe v. Wade um, passing and giving abortion rights out to, to the United States. So it's a, essentially what we do is it's a protest. Um, on that Friday afternoon, there's about a half a million people that collect, and we do, we, we, rec we use our First Amendment rights, uh, and we have our right to protest. Every year during this trip, though, uh, we make it a retreat, so if you're interested in coming, we're going to do, do a group from here, and it's going to be great. Uh, there's a 24-hour bus ride. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Um, we sleep on the bus, kind of. Uh, we shower, kind of, like it's all good, it's fun. It's, it's a great time though. We make it a retreat on wheels. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience every year. One of the things that we make sure to do though is we make sure that we're gonna keep everybody safe on that trip. So we have a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different kind of tactics that we use to make sure that when there's half a million people collecting to march on Washington, that we don't lose one of our kids, right? One of our teenagers. Um, we make sure everybody gets there safe and comes home safe. That's number one. But during the course of it, we, there's a couple of other things that I've noticed over the years that there's a lot of uh, independent media outlets, like people that like, have a blog <laughs> or, a, or a social media following, and what they'll do is, is they'll walk up and they'll put a camera in your face and just look for a quote. So what we do, we, we make sure to kind of keep people, keep our group kind of isolated from that. If somebody tries to do something like that, we kind of push them away. Uh, hopefully not physically, but if, they got, if we got to, we'll do it, right? Um, but it's a, it's a way to just kind of protect our group. See, I think this, this kind of idea that, that kind of just walking up, that I call it guerrilla journalism, where people just pop up and get you on camera, it can be kind of intimidating. Uh, if, we look at, if we look at like where that came from, I, I don't know if it came before that, but where I saw it get really popular was Jay Leno, when he would do his jaywalking segment, and he would ask people really, really easy questions, and they didn't know it, and then everybody would laugh at him, and then that would make it, you know, everybody's laughing, ha, 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 and we move on. Well, in recent years, it seems like our political discourse has kind of been the same kind of gotcha, guerrilla journalism kind of thing. Put you on camera, ask you a question, and see if you can answer it. And if you can't, I'm going to make you look foolish, and then you become the new hit sensation on Facebook or social media, and everybody's laughing at you. Well, th this kind of gotcha, kind of putting people on camera thing, I saw just recently another video. Somebody went on a college campus and did a similar thing with religious questions. Now, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago when Molly was here, 80% uh, of of, of of young people that are practicing Catholics when they go to college lose their faith. 80%, that's a big number. So college is not uh, what I would call a promised land when it comes to faith, but it's a good way to kind of get an idea of where a younger generation's mind and mind is. Now the most recent one I saw, they went to people, they put the camera in their face, they asked them a question, and the question was, do you think you're going to heaven? Now, I know I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I should be, right? Like, if I'm not, we got a, we got a real problem, right? Like, yeah, okay. And they backed it up. Why? Ooh. 
You can see the, you can see the students, their, their face kind of, yeah, why? Um, I, I don't know. Some, I don't know, some said things like, uh, I hope, <laughs> I hope I'm going to heaven. Some said, I don't, I don't know if I really even believe that there's a God, so heaven might just be something. I, I don't really know. It's a really vanilla answer, right? Some evangelical Protestant, you can see it. <laughs> Are you going to heaven? Yes, I am saved. Congratulations. Like that, and that's the end of the conversation. But I think for us, I think of that question. Like just imagine that today, after Mass, you, uh, you're walking into Kyoto, or you're walking into El Paso, or one of the other O's that we got around here, right? Like you're walking into a restaurant, and all of a sudden, somebody's going to pop up, put you on camera, and say, are you going to heaven? And why? How would you respond? Like, how, 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 would, how would you respond there? I, I know the, the two general answers that I heard that in watching this and, in, and that I've heard around that question in the past, generally there are two answers that I've heard. Number one, uh, I'm a good person. Yes, I'm a good person. Are you going to heaven? I'm a good person. That's like saying somebody's nice, right? Like you got nothing else to say. Like, I'm a good person. Or, are you going to heaven? Yeah, um, I haven't killed anyone. Like that, that kind of, in our, in our society, in our culture, that's kind of become the bar of what we believe, our culture believes that God is going to judge on if we get to heaven or not, is did you kill anybody and were you a good person? Were you nice? So much more, there's so much more than that when it comes to living our life as a follower of the Lord. Amen? It's so much more than just being a good person or not killing somebody. That's a low bar. And if that's what our culture believes being Catholic or being Christian is all about, we're, we're losing the war, y'all. Like, there's got to be a higher standard than that. And today in our second reading, we hear uh, what that higher standard looks like. You see, the author of the book, of the letter to the Hebrews says, he gives two pieces of advice, and it's not just be a good person or don't kill anybody. He gives two pieces of advice, and those two pieces, very simply, are stay focused on God above all else. Above all else. And number two, purge yourself of sin. That raises that bar from be a good person or don't kill anybody. That raises the bar to purge yourself of all sin, of anything that stands in the way of your relationship with God. Purge yourself of those things. And secondly, remain focused first and foremost on God. You see, when it comes to being focused on God first and foremost, there's something about human beings in our creation, like the way that God created us, he created us with an ongoing desire for Him, right? He created us to be in communion with Him, to know Him and to love Him. And at the fall, at Adam and Eve, whenever they fell from grace, what happened was is that that, that desire of ours was no longer fulfilled. So to this day, we still have this desire deep down in every one of our hearts that we want to know and love God above all else. We want to know and love something. We know there's something that we're supposed to know and love. But from time to time, other things sneak in. And that's what we focus on. 
And it's not God that keeps pride of place, the primacy in our life. Other things find their way. Good things, holy things. And you know what? Sometimes, not so good, not so holy things, but a lot of times, those th- that, that desire for God is directed to something else. Like, it's easy on Sunday morning to say, you know what? I know exactly where I'm going. Every one of us woke up this morning and said, my desire for God led me to this church, or my desire for something led me to this church, right? Every one of us, hopefully, it's God that led you here today. But on Tuesday afternoon, I'm not going to lie, whenever I walk out the office at 8 o'clock at night and I don't feel like praying and I don't feel like doing anything, a Netflix account holds that spot sometimes. 14 episodes of The Office holds that. Like, right? Like, that's what, that, that's what can hold that spot. And what happens when anything holds the spot that God's supposed to have in our life, it's called sin, y'all. It's called sin. That's the second thing, right? God being the focus, the number one, holding the pride of place in our life, absolutely. The second thing, purging ourselves of sin. So what are those things in my life that hold the spot that God's supposed to have? Well, cancel the Netflix account. Like, I got to avoid the near occasion of sin here, right? Like, I got to avoid allowing something else to fit in the place where God's supposed to. I'm missing the mark every time I give the love and honor of God to something else. In fact, the word sin is actually, if you didn't know this, the word sin's actually an archery term. And it means missing the target. When an archer would have shot, when they were practicing back in the ancient world, when they would have shot an arrow and they would have missed, it would have been said that they sinned. It's an archery term. Sin for us is very simply, it's directing the wrong energy to the wrong thing. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to love and honor God above all else, but you know what? I don't all the time. And when I don't, I miss the mark. That's what a sin is. In our life today, what are those things in your life that are those near occasions of sin that like, I need to avoid, those things that lead me down to missing the mark? Like on, I'm just saying, like just throwing a couple of ideas out there. If I know, if I know that when I leave the office and I'm on my way home and I look at my phone and I see that name pop up on my phone and I know that I'm going to talk about the other three girls that are in my office, I probably shouldn't answer the phone. Because that's what it looks like to purge ourselves of sin. Because it's, it's, it's keeping me from the near occasion. Same way, if I know I'm driving home and I always stop at this one gas station or this one bar and I have a beer or two or three or seven, right? I, if I know that when I'm coming home from work, I find an outlet that is not God, maybe I should keep driving. Like in our life, God is calling us not to have a low standard because guess what, y'all? It's, it takes a lot more to get into heaven than simply... Not killing someone or being a good person, whatever that means. Like God is calling us to live a life, live at a standard that's much higher than the rest of the world. God's calling us to to live a life that's a follower of him in all things. Because we're created to worship. We're going to worship something. But what's going to hold that spot? 
We're created to be devoted to God, but what is it that actually gets our attention and that we put our energy and our time towards? Today, we come to, we come to reaffirm that God is the focus of our life. We come to Mass to reaffirm that God is the focus of my life, and we start the whole Mass by recognizing that we're a fallen, sinful people, and we need His help. Now, two things. Just to, it's a high bar. It's a high bar to be a Christian. It's a high bar to live as, live as a Catholic and live in, in what God's calling us to. There's two things that, that give us hope, though. The first, the same God that loves you right now, the same God that loves me right now, the same God that loves you when you feel close to him and you're following him and everything's easy in life, is the same God that loves you whenever you fall short and you sin. The one constant in all of it is that God is love. And he's gonna continue to call out to you and continue to reach out and continue to call him back and call you back to himself because he loves you. It's the one thing that we know we can't change and no matter what we do, it does not change that God loves us. He's already proven it to us with the cross. He's already revealed to us how much he loves us, that he sent his only son to die for us for the sake of us to have any hope of heaven. That that God is reaching out, is calling out, and loves us, even in our mess. The other thing that, that we need to know, and this is just a warning, like just a little spoiler alert for you, right? Like, the other thing that we need to know is that whenever we change, when we start to live our life at a higher standard, don't be surprised when the world reacts in a not favorable way. Don't be surprised when the person who call you rejected, because quite honestly, I don't feel like gossiping today. Don't be surprised when you're the next person gossiped about. Don't be surprised that whenever you pass up the bar at a gas station or whatever else and you, you actually go home, don't be surprised when you're the next one talked about. Oh, holy roller. Yeah. And I don't mean the IPA. Right? Like, like, don't be surprised if that's the next step. Right? Like, don't be surprised if that's what ends up happening. Because the reality is, y'all, like, God, Jesus Christ came and lived at a certain standard. And it shook up the system to the point that he shed blood. And he's, he is the one who's the exemplar of our faith. He's the one that we pick up our cross and carry day in and day out. He was rejected too. The life of a Christian, the life of a Catholic is not a low bar existence. It's not an existence of ease. It's not an existence of just kind of, I, I, I pray, pay, and obey, right? Like it's not just, it's not just those things. To live as a Catholic with a faith that's alive and that, and that sets the world on fire like Jesus calls for today is living at a life of excellence, living at a life that's above a low bar, living a life where we focus on God above all else and we're constantly purging ourselves of our sin. This is what God calls us to. My dad, my, my dad when I was growing up, he always told me, he said, look, if you're going to do something, do it right. Like, let's, be, let's do Catholic right. Let's live a life 
That's a high bar. That's excellence. Where we strive for the best. Not halfway. Not an existence of just being a good person and not killing anyone. That's what God calls us to. God wants us to be with him. He wants us to be his follower. And he, honestly, he wants us to set the world ablaze with his Holy Spirit. Just imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment that if in whatever part of your life you're purging your sin and you're focusing more on God, just imagine for a moment that every Catholic in our community does that. How would the world change tomorrow? How would our society all of a sudden change tomorrow if we live at a standard that's a high bar? It begins with us. It begins here today where we say, Lord, I want to focus on you more. I want you to be more the Lord of my life. And that's why we come to Mass. Lord, I want to let go and turn away from that sin that's in the back of my mind right now that just keeps stinging my conscience. I want to turn away from that sin totally and fully so I can be more devoted to you. It makes us, a, it, it, if, you're, if you're a dad, it makes you a better dad. If you're a wife, it makes you a better wife. It makes us live out our vocation better. When God is the sinner and everything else follows. Let us not settle for mediocrity or let us not settle for a low bar existence. Because being a Christian and being a Catholic is much bigger than just not killing someone and being a good person.